Hello and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. On the pod this week is a very excited Ben Clark after picking up some points in the Powderhound Predictions League uh, for the first time in quite a long time, I think. Is that right, Ben? Yes, having a celebratory hot chocolate in my Powderhound month to celebrate. <laughs> uh, and we flip to the other end of the spectrum where uh, Marcel Mathis has picked up nil point for the last two rounds. So he's a little down in the dumps, but uh, we'll give him a chance to... Get back on it. Plenty of racing coming up, Marcel. Don't worry about it, my son. I blame it on the, on the conditions over the weekend. It's not my <laughs> fault. But boys, we've been jealously watching the racing over the past few weeks with the conditions looking mega. It's powder skiing left, right and centre. Um, until <laughs> this last set of races where, I don't know about you guys, but I'm very happy to be sat inside a room watching rather than being out and about in the pouring rain. Yeah, Zagreb does not look like a fun place to ski at the moment, does it? Uh, every time the camera panned around, it was just grey and horrible. It, it's very often, very rare even that you say you worry about visibility for slalom, but every, the cameras were struggling to pick people up uh, on some of the runs. It just looked miserable. No amount of salt made the piste hard enough for the caliber of races they had going down it unfortunately everyone's got to ski on it so it's, it's not it's not that unfair but it did look like once the first five or ten races were out of the way no one else really stood a chance on each run yeah it was um it was super super tough but yeah i guess they all they all had to they all had to run in the same conditions though right i uh, just quickly on ben's point uh and your point i was actually i was i said to myself thank f- thank god <laughs> <laughs> thank god i retired but yeah i mean it always kind of turns around in the second round doesn't it but i mean it was it was a bit of a pain to watch but fair play to them they set up a race it's a really important race for them and for the region so um heads up at least yeah it, the conditions were ones that no one likes racing in but when you're there you just got to get on with it and, and as Marcel said the course crew looked like they were putting in a, an absolute massive shift to make the piece even skiable let alone com- like as, as even as they possibly could um it didn't look fun um we've all probably raced in conditions like it over the years ones where the snow is heavy as anything when it's brushing up off the skis you definitely don't want to go down because you're going to be absolutely soaked if you fall over (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and there looked to be some very unhappy people when they did hit the deck over the weekend yeah it was it was exceptionally difficult when the weather was nicer i was beginning to make my plans uh for if we could go on holiday at some point in this year um, but I didn't get very far before we had any uh, all of the new announcements that we've had the last couple of days um, for England and Scotland uh, being locked down again. Uh, Eddie, did you have any plans uh, to get away to the mountains before this all kicked off again? I'd, I'd, I had some loose plans, some loose dreams of uh, finding my way to the mountains. I sort of hoped that worst case scenario, I'd, I'd get to Scotland and do a bit of touring or just getting up and you know, drive, not having to sort of cross borders currently, anyway, uh, cross borders between us and Scotland. (laughs) So I was hoping that we were going to get that, but that looks like it's not going to happen for the foreseeable and almost certainly looks like an abroad trip is, is, is even less likely. What about you, Marcel? Did you have, did you have anything? Oh yeah. I mean, I've I've actually planned lots of ski holidays this season to go back home and to Austria and France and everything. 
all gone down the drain really quickly, unfortunately. The regulations are, tra- are changing so quickly as well. It makes it really diff- difficult to keep up with what's going on. Um, but I have found a podcast that it's not mine this time <laughs> that will that, that sort of goes into a bit more of the holiday maker stuff and how it's all working out in the Alps and how it's all everybody from instructors to tourist boards and stuff are dealing with these regulation changes. It's called the Ski Podcast uh, run by a friend of mine called Ian Martin. So if you guys want to check out the tricky trials and tribulations that are going into people trying to get away on holiday, that's an excellent place to go and check it out. We've done, I'm not sure if, if we'll make it to the snow, but I really, really hope so. Um, let's talk about the racing, shall we? Um, we touched on it briefly with the conditions. They were ridiculous. Um, and But credit to the Fed, the Croatian Ski Fed, because and Fizz, because actually, considering how bad it was with how much rain was coming down, I know the, the, the surface wasn't great, but actually it was it was okay and it made for some pretty exciting racing with two runs. Yeah, one thing you can say is at least it's exciting when the conditions aren't great because you've got athletes pushing as hard as they are willing to in those conditions and very variable snow conditions, which means you're never quite sure how much grip you will or won't see. So we probably see a lot more airtime in slalom than we're used to seeing uh, in those two days of racing. Um, Certainly in in the women's race, there are a lot of... uh, decisions to be made on how hard to attack so there were quite a few probably what I call disappointing performances from people who just decided that they wanted to kind of settle in and get down rather than take those risks that we saw from from some people uh, I think one of the probably biggest performances again uh, who seems to be having a lot of big races this year was Paula Maltzang going from 42nd up to 14th really having some aggressive skiing uh, to, to show uh, a lot of the other uh, women racers, how it was done in those tough conditions. I think what I find tricky, and it's difficult to see it on TV, and Marcel, having been a tech racer and, and certainly the most recent racer out of all of us, um, how difficult the snow conditions are when it's salted like that and how difficult the feeling of what's happening underneath your feet is you know, in terms of, of trust of what's, what is going on under there and willingness to sort of drive and, and fight and try and ski aggressive. Yeah, I mean, like, I personally always liked salt slopes, but um, there is a huge difference of a salt slope that's actually giving you something back and that one that doesn't. And it seemed like the, well, it probably didn't really. Um, so that's incredibly difficult because basically you're, 100% relying on what you're getting back onto your feet. Um, and I, it seemed like not many people did, unfortunately. So it's, it's, it's really hard. Um, it's probably a lot harder than skiing on, on an icy or at least a hard slope. Um, and it has a certain skill to it. And you could see, like, obviously not up front because the people were the same, but you can, you can kind of see who is coming from, like, a more salted paste background. So there's, I would say, like, some... Canadians like Milzinski, she had a first World Cup win when she was doing, already was a very salted slope as well. And then also some Norwegians because they trained that quite a lot. And I think it's a very specific, very specific skill. And I wouldn't like obviously say it's, it's necessary to have it, but you can see the best ones are always the best ones in, in any conditions anyway. Yeah, you do, you do sort of tend to see, it's a bit like motorsport when, you know, it starts to rain 
in motorsport and you can't, whether it's Formula One or MotoGP, you can, you know, the races that suit those sort of conditions. And I think you can kind of see that, like you were saying, Marcel, the, the Norwegians tend to train on it quite a lot. And some of the North Americans tend to sort of benefit from, I think probably what you'd say normally is you'd hang your hat on somebody like Christofferson. He talks about really enjoying those peace conditions, which didn't work out for him today in the men's race, but there's, there's certainly a skill set that's there and it, it actually comes out fairly often. It's not something that's once in a blue moon these days, you know, climate with the climate and stuff. So it's something that needs training on. But what I think was particularly tricky for the races, both for the men and the women, is the fact that actually over in, you know, continent, you know, over in Austria and Switzerland and France, the snow was brilliant. It was really cold. It was really icy. The, it was perfect training perfect peace conditions and then you you head over for your races and and this time because not all the time because we've had some belting races there where it's been nice and cold and some really hard snow underfoot but this time it just wasn't yeah i i definitely agree with you it, it's really hard when you have like five days of training or four days of training on like a really hard surface and then you come to croatia i'm not sure if they could do free skiing on the hill again no. so they couldn't that's even worse and then coming into those conditions, because I would say you need probably a different pair of skis. Like everything needs to be a bit different um, because the stuff on the hard on the hard surface won't really work on the soft conditions. So it's it's really it's it was a very tricky one um, for for everyone. I think. Yeah, there were you. There was no hill skiing, and you know even the technicians they weren't allowed on the hill either. So it's not like the technicians could go up and have a little slide, have a sort of measure the temperature, or even you know have a few turns themselves to try and work out what it was doing to skis. So it was a real sort of shot in the dark, almost you know really heavily relying on the um, on instinct and maybe the more reliable athletes in terms of their the experienced athletes with it. We should probably go over to the results just in case people missed it. But uh, we did see, it was a kind of, it was, I don't know, trying to say it without being too harsh. I kind of, it was four ladies that were up for the win today, it turned out, and then the rest of the field were a bit further apart. So it was it was sort of almost two-tiered this race, and that isn't always the case. And actually, thankfully, over the last season or so, and certainly this season, it hasn't been such a step in terms of the best and the, the rest, if you like. But um Petra Vlahova took the win. She took it by only five hundredths over Katy Leensberger, who put in a real, real good shot and so close to picking up her first World Cup win. Michelle Gissin backing up that World Cup win with another podium, 0.22 back, and Schifrin just missing out on the podium in fourth, 0.27 back. And then we take a bit more of a jump to uh, 1.4 off the pace with Erin Milzinski. But like you said, actually, Marcel, I do like how Milzinski skis. There's too many mistakes to to, which is why she was so far off the um, sort of the best of the rest, if you like. Um, but she skis really nicely. If she can cut out some of those errors, there's no reason why, especially in slalom, she can't make that jump. And the same, probably similar with Holdner and Leesdahl as well, who with the next couple of races. But those four ladies made a real good fight of it. They did, yeah. and. As each person was coming down and, and taking the lead or not taking the lead, it was it was really exciting, which we said earlier in, in these types of races, when there's a lot of people getting kicked out of turns. I, I don't think I've ever seen Schifrin do a run with less snow contact than that second run, and she still took the lead by uh, a second. 
uh, when she crossed the line, although she did have a, a huge chunk of advantage when she started the second run. It just shows that even the people with some of the best touch in the game still aren't quite sure what's going to happen at the end of some of those turns, which is so difficult when you're really trying to, you know, give it everything and smash a second run and put the pressure on the people behind you. You're not sure if you're going to get kicked out of uh, a turn or or your skis break away at the end of it. So she, she almost looked there. I think obviously we saw signs in, in the GS the other week that she's definitely got her best skiing, but still we're seeing a lot more mistakes than we used to. I think, I think she might be getting ready to kind of kick back into, into kind of her top gear now. No, but I, I agree with Ben. I'm actually a bit gutted that Linsberger didn't win. I thought she would have deserved that win. Um, Do you think so- she's going to end up like Wendy and have like a thousand podiums and no wins because she's let's, she's let's racking them not. up now, isn't she? Let's hope not because I they I think someone said that on the on the television. Um, she had 28 podiums and no win. That must be. I mean, whenever she sees a, a number two in the finish, she must almost be like close to like Is losing that Wendy? her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that stat does follow her around now, and uh, and I wonder whether that weighs heavily on her. I would assume so, but I think Linsberger is not going to be one of those one of those girls. I think she will be she will be winning at some stage. I mean, she obviously has big competition with Lahova and Schifrin. It's very unfortunate for her, and also for Wendy. But she will be winning at some stage. There is no doubt about it. She's so consistent, and she was the only one of the Austrians who really attacked, um, which was very impressive. And I mean, it could have also been a, a bit further behind Lahova. I think she made a couple of mistakes at the bottom. Um, but in general, I think he was a, a worthy podium. And Schifrin, well, she's just not quite there yet, I guess. Um, it looks a bit unsettled. Um, she's not as confident as she was before. But I mean, 27 behind, uh, 2700 is behind is nothing really, is it? Um, that can be in her favor next time. Yeah, I think yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Marcel, with the Austrian um, women. Is uh, you know, you see a lot of their stuff that goes up on social media and bits and pieces when they're posting training footage, and, and you're never quite sure if they're just trying to get cool shots of them laying laying over in the turns. But it does <laughs> seem whenever they post the videos, that Leensburg is the only one really attacking, and it was quite surprising to see it in the race. And I know kind of. Kathy Galhoop is coming back from a lot of injuries and, and so are a lot of the uh, uh, Austrian women, but they seem a lot more passive other than Leensberger. Is, is this like a technical thing that you think they're being kind of taught to control themselves a bit more? Because it, it just seemed really weird that on race day, like, it didn't look like anyone was going for it apart from her. I think uh, they've actually, I've, in my opinion, they've done quite well this season um, and I, I think those conditions are very specific. So you need to be, you need to be patient to be aggressive. And they were like just cutting the line a lot, I think, um, which doesn't work. But in general, like, I mean, it's hard to compare Leonsberger to the other girls and I don't want to take anything away from them, but she's, she's in top class now. Like she is up there with the best and they're, the other girls are just not yet. They might be at some stage. But that's why it's also like a big difference. But it will is only good for the other girls if she's on top, um, because she will be hopefully taking them with her, really. Um, and that, that's kind of what I think about it. I, I think there wasn't anything specific. She also has more self-confidence, and, and in those conditions, you need that even more. So I think once the condition's getting a bit better, it's probably easier to judge. 
with Leonsberger, I don't think, and I certainly don't anymore. I don't pick her because I'm not picking Vlahova or Schifrin anymore. And I, and I think that's, I mean, not, not that she cares what we think really, but do you know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's one of those things where now it's, it, she's not a pick that you choose because you, you know, don't want to pick a favorite. She's actually now, I feel like within her own right, somebody that could pick up a win and being 500s off. Yeah, sure. Vlahova made a little mis- or a decent mistake at the bottom, but um, Leansberger's run wasn't perfect either. And she made some errors up top. So it's all swings and roundabouts in those conditions. And I think she'll be, I do think she'll get there in terms of Schifrin. She, her skill set is still there and she still shows you that skill set. But it's, it's intermittent at the moment. And we talk a lot about consistency all the time whether it's from turn to turn run to run or race to race but um she's just not got that and i think it's a confidence thing i kind of hoped that that gs victory would be the boost that needed to get Schifrin back to that consistent level of excellent performances turn after turn after turn but it's not quite there yet but also with those sort of conditions it's really hard to be confident it's really hard to find a perfect platform and trust what's going on under your feet when you're feeling a little bit uneasy so for me she'll be there but a quick shout out to the americans four americans in that second run um uh, and a couple of young ones in there as well Maltzen obviously backing up some good results um as was nina o'brien obviously she didn't finish on that second run but you know that it's a nice team environment to be in where they all seem to be pushing each other and seem genuinely happy when they when each other does well as well which is um you know sometimes you see a bit of fake news don't you a little bit of like you know, sort of uh, award ceremony claps and smiles when the camera's on you and then you, it goes off you and, and and they're annoyed that they've been beaten by a teammate, but it doesn't seem like that's the case uh, f- from the external anyway. Just because they've got masks on, you can't see their face. They're spitting feathers. The Americans certainly look like they've got a really good team spirit this year and, you, and any of their kind of like Instagram stuff that you follow, they're, they're all really happy for each other and really pushing each other's results and, and, Similar to what Marcel said with with the Austrians, everyone will be pushing everyone now. So obviously they've got Schifrin at the top, but then the others will be chasing after her. And if they're yeah. probably a bit closer to her than they probably would have been previously, um, because they've got that you know probably that American uh, bubble uh, in while while they're over here. So there's a chance that they're getting to know each other a lot better and and really pushing each other along. So yeah, should we move over to the men's race. So after tricky conditions for the ladies, it was thought that it was going to be much the same um, for the men. But actually, they got slightly luckier overnight last night. The the weather got colder. The snow conditions got better than the ladies. Still not down to where we'd have liked to see it, but it was a bit colder. We got a bit of fresh snow overnight, but lots of water going on the slope, lots of salt going on the slope. So still that... um, dead sort of snow conditions but we were treated to another really good set of races i mean yeah we saw some bigger time gaps and then we're used to seeing what was it 2.8 or something for the second run uh, which is uh, you know normally you'd say a, a big gap in men's tech especially slalom second run sort of cut off you'd say a big gap is now 2.1 to you know, to two seconds uh, to have it higher just shows the sort of the degradation in the race piece and how tricky it was for the later start numbers. But we still got some some high bibs 
in there. We saw Lena Strasser picking up his first World Cup slalom victories, picked up a win already in his career, but that was in parallel slalom. And um, Manu Fela backing up yet more consistent form from Manu Fela, sounds ridiculous, uh, in second place. And Marco Schwarz rounding off the podium with Michael Matt, also of Austria. The Austrian flags will, will be flying well into the night, Marcel. Uh, and Michael Matt picking up fourth place. Um, a couple of points. The Strasse victory. I loved how much emotion again that that he that he was showing in the finish area when he won. I think, uh, well, having never won, never won a World Cup, um, but the whole but winning a parallel event doesn't mean as much as this slalom victory. And I think this will feel like a real. I can't think of the right words. Not a real announcement onto the scene because he's been around for a while. And but it's but it's big time. It's not you know a city event. It's not a parallel event. It's the core of ski racing. Yeah, he looked really moved by his performance. As to be honest with you, as did all of the guys on on the on the podium. I I get what you mean as well about the city events and parallels. They're trying to make them a core discipline and in a couple of years they probably will be but for now they they still feel even though they got their own globe and bits and pieces this year, they still feel a little bit untraditional or a bit to the side. Um, so you can see why uh, Strasser was behaving a bit like that was possibly in his mind his first kind of real World Cup win, the first World Cup win. For the listeners, I was mad at myself for not picking Manny Villa for the men's slalom. <laughs> so I said to the guys on our WhatsApp group, I said, well, good luck for him. My fella's been so consistent this year. I almost want to pick him, but yeah, I know I... if I do, he'll fall over uh, and I'll be really mad <laughs> if he gets on the podium. And then what do you do? Get on the podium. Nightmare. Well, I, let's hope you don't pick him because otherwise he's, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now as he leads the yeah, overall standings for don't. the slalom. Manny's getting taken down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I already know that Ben, that is your pick for the next race anyway. <laughs> oh, good night, Matt. Manu. It was nice to see you at the top. Eight, so eight runs. He's had, I mean, there were some hairy I moments know. in this, I, I, but they were more conditions rather than him doing anything reckless, which is normally yeah. uh, uh, what happens. So eight runs in a row, he's got to be on. I don't know if I can pick him for the next one. <laughs> There's got to be a clock going off somewhere that. <laughs> that's, that's some that's some record that is probably a lifetime record for him of putting eight runs of good skiing in a row without doing something stupid i mean, I mean the, the petty power of going up not down <laughs> um marcel what was your take on on the day's racing i'm so happy for Linus strasser i think he was a he, he probably had a bit of a roller coaster over the last couple of years. Like I think like two years ago or so he got knocked off the top 30 when he was already in there and like this and that. So I'm really delighted to see him on the top finally. And I'm always very keen to watch him because it reminds me so much of Felix Neureiter because his technique is very similar. And I love watching Felix Neureiter. So I'm hoping to see more of the Linus Strasser that skis similar to Neureiter. Um because I think it's just a it's just a joy to watch. He's a great skier, has a great technique, and he's also a great guy. And the Austrians, I mean, they they're probably in uh, in heaven now, um, picking up another two podiums. So they've had a good run. 
but as you could see, having a good first race, um, two people on the podium like picks everyone up, and they're gonna they're gonna go for it now. They have a, they have a great season in, in slalom so far. There's there's plenty of stories in today's slalom, in in terms of interesting parts to it. You've got Strasser picking up his first win. You've got the Austrians, who are. Uh, uh, I hasten to say back because they've not won yet, but, you know, second, third, fourth, Gestrein from Bib 20 and eighth. Um, you, you even had Ben's favourite, De Gruber, pick it up, you know, low 20. What is he, 22nd? Uh, and and uh, Pertle was skiing really well before he uh, crashed out. So, you know, those guys have got some good results. The Croatians getting four, all four of their athletes in the second run, Bib 52, um, Vidovic going into 12th. You had Philip Zubcic, the GS skier, or so we thought, in fifth place. Uh, you've got Daniel Yule and Ramon Zenhuizen, who struggled a bit, as did Christofferson, as did Fossolovag, as did Dave Riding. You, you know, there's more stories in Atlee McGrath skiing really well, other than a massive error. He would have been up inside the top 10. Hardelin, you know, from Slovenia, back in there with good points. Uh, there was just there was good skiing left, right, and center here today. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially the Croatians, so happy for them. You could see in the finish when they when they stopped how how grateful they were that they could have a race at home. Just a bit side dig. Twenty eight finished out of thirty in the second round, so I'm not sure if that was what the Croatians wanted uh, or at least won. But um, the course setting probably was too easy then. <laughs> I was gonna say we've probably gone past it. Do we want to talk about course setting and and a certain uh, video? Oh, the, the course with the camera was it? Was it Ibiza? Yeah. <laughs> no, let, let's 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 keep this running um for a bit and see when the next creation sets a course. How many people he can knock off? <laughs> it was quite. It was quite funny watching uh, Kostelic doing his POV run with his. Uh, voicing voicing it at the same time and then falling <laughs> over was was actually you know tongue-in-cheek quite funny i mean he's still a, an immense ski and probably still quicker than half the guys in the field but it was quite funny to watch him go down but the, the race right 75 turning gates on the first run over a minute quite a few, isn't it and a minute slalom <laughs> that's um robin kellen who is the ceo of the welsh ski federation he sent me a a, a stat and it's that means that there's a turn every 0.8 of a second <laughs> i thought you were going to say he sent you a text saying i could get more gates down pontypool um and <laughs> robin definitely could i'm not, I'm not sure if you could get that many in the diamonds on the dry slope in pontypool you definitely could um <laughs> but that was i did i did actually make a note of that when when i think uh, you and nick said it on commentary some of those combinations again because the conditions aren't great you don't really take in a lot of the, the kind of finer details and some of those combinations were set really close together um and some of the turns coming into and out of them were again quite big turns so it was really interesting to see who could control the power because it's all well and good having a you know a couple of straight gates into a four gate flush but if you can't then hold the speed and power that you build up through that there's almost, you know, no point generating that kind of speed. And some people, you saw them kind of sit back, get as much speed as they possibly could, and then just fly in the air um, and dig a big hole on the next game. Marcel, do you think, what do you think about the Austrian ski fed are going to take off the back of this moving 
into the rest of the season. Is this a good thing for them? Would you think it's going to be over self-confidence now? What do you, what is your, what's your gut feeling? Uh, I think some people probably take it better than others. Um, but I mean, it can only be a confidence boost, right? I mean, you, once you're on the wave, it's really hard to take you down from there. Um, you must be doing really stupid things. Um, so for them, it's definitely a good confidence boost. We'll see how, how confident and cocky they get at some stage. But I mean, they, <laughs> they've had a, a pretty rough start to the season. Um, so it's good for them, really, and good for skiing in Austria specifically as everyone's in lockdown. And, you know, it's, it's good for people to have some, someone they can cheer up on the TV while they're sitting at home. I guess. Have you? Yeah, I, know it's a, I know it's a little way off, sorry, Lee, but picking their slalom world champs uh, squad's going to be hilarious because that's what they're, they're best at, right? At the moment, that's what they've got the most amount of people in. So they're supposed to be having the world the world world champs. They're supposed to be rerunning this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, Gruber's so still, in the, picking, still in, the, in the race now. Yeah, Degruber's going to be first pick. Ben, he's going <laughs> to he's going to bump off Manu Fellow with a couple of good results. I mean, it's not even going to be anywhere near that squad, um, but they've got so many. It's it's, it's incredible scrolling through, and then uh, I, I know we'll get on to it in a in a minute. And I was thinking, who can finally kick him out? And then I was looking at some results today, and, and Dominic Rashner's coming back to a bit of form. Uh, Marcel on the, on the European Cup tour is someone who has had, a, I think, a couple of World Cup starts. Rashner hasn't he? he hasn't quite broken through yet, and he's he uh, had a couple of good results recently. Yeah, he did. He did have a, a really good season two seasons ago. Um, then in the start of the World Cup, I think he got injured at some stage. Uh, always knocks you back a bit, but he's a, he's a good skier. And I'm, I'm happy to see him back in the European Cup, as well as our British friends um, who have done really well. Taylor yeah, Laurie picking up a win. Yeah, we've got to, got, to give a, got to give a good shout out to Laurie Taylor. Yeah, picks up um, his first Europa Cup podium and it was the top step in amongst a, a, a solid field. Obviously, no World Cup is there, but it's a Europa Cup. So it's allowed to not have any World Cup is there and pick up a, uh, to pick up his Europa Cup maiden victory. Also, Billy Major, who's another Brit, picked up seventh from Bib 41, I think it was off the top of my head. Um, so, or 44, sorry. Thank you, Statman. Um and so, yeah, looking good for them with the Europa Cup. And hopefully, I'm assuming that will mean I haven't had a chance to speak to the, to um, Laurie's coaches yet, but I'm assuming that will translate into, you know, a World Cup start in uh, Adelboden off the back of that sort of performance. But, um, I think it'll, they'll need to just look over the Euro- Europa Cup programme to make sure that they're not sort of jumping back into World Cup when that's sort of not been that fruitful so far, um, which probably should bring us on to the tough day at the office that Dave Riding had. Um, he, I know I've spoken to him, I spoke to him between runs and I spoke to him after the race. Um, incredibly frustrated, I think is probably the easiest way to put it and the nicest way to put it. Uh, a big disappointment for him as well. And now it's a disappointment for us British racing fans. Of course it is. Um, but thankfully for Dave, he's still just inside the World Cup start list ranking to make sure that he stays between Bib 8 and 15. He's ranked 16th still just, um, but one of those people that are ranked in front of him is still Andre Mura, and obviously he's retired. So that sneaks Dave inside the top 15, which gives him a good, or you know, a better Bib 
than it would do if he'd fallen outside of that. Uh, uh, ben, what's your take on on the skiing from Dave today? Just looked like he was never really comfortable. Um, it just looked like a bit like what we said for a lot of people. You're never quite sure how hard you can and can't push. You're never quite sure when you're going to get anything back from the skis. As always with Dave, we saw some we saw some really good skiing. We saw some some splits in there that were absolutely fine. And some that, for some reason, just dropped him quite a long way back. Like you said, he didn't sound at all happy with any of his skiing. But, you know, if it's not the conditions that you're you're great in, you can't always, like, you know, not like all of the conditions you're racing in. But at some point, you need to just say, you know what, it wasn't a good day. I've got another race in, you know, less than a week. Dust myself off, get back training and, and get back out there is, you know, it's, yes, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. And I think, as you guys said, he's got another six races in January or oh, God knows what left to go. So now's definitely not the time to be being too hard on yourself and getting yourself down. It's just, you know, on, on to the next one and keep going. I think he's probably he's probably quite happy to get away from those conditions. I'm not sure how well suited they are for him. I think he probably needs a bit of a harder surface. And I'm sure there are a couple of other ones who will be quite happy to go on that as well now. Yeah. yeah, again, Pantero didn't particularly appear to be enjoying those conditions. Yule didn't really like them. And Ed, you said on commentary, he was saying in press conferences before the race even started, he didn't like the conditions. And it's a tough mindset to be in when you know you don't like it, when you're still trying to, you know, certainly for the likes of Yule, he's trying to win the Slalom Globe. It's a very tricky position to be in when you don't like something or it's not your best. I think, you know, thankfully, for, his, thankfully, yeah. for, but, thankfully for... For Dave, from you know, from our our perspective as a Brits perspective, the turnaround is very quick. So we are now Wednesday and Wednesday evening at that, and the next slalom is uh, on Sunday. So a little bit of time to sort of dust your wounds, but thankfully not too long to to reminisce over it and to sort of get yourself into a rut. And hopefully, uh, and we'll talk about the upcoming races shortly. But hopefully, some better snow conditions, meaning that it is a little bit more what you expect to see and a little bit more of what you train um and that's i think the mindset that we're going that that he will take and and you know tough condition tough races happen all the time um and it's how you come back from them let's talk about the upcoming races that we've got going on we've got uh, the men are in Adelboden on the 8th, 9th and 10th. So they're racing GSGS Slalom. So that's Friday, Saturday and Sunday over in Adelboden. And the women are racing um, Saturday the 9th downhill, Sunday the 10th Super G. And then they've got a night slalom over in Flachau, which is on uh, Tuesday the 12th. So plenty of racing coming up. Um meteorologist what what's on the cards for the snow much nicer than uh, uh than uh, than uh, uh zagreb by the looks of things uh, so adelbolden looks very cold um at the moment and st anton looks cold enough um so like temperatures hovering around zero but they've got plenty of snow in comparison uh to zagreb so we should be looking for some much nicer racing conditions nothing that says it's going to be chucking down ruining the downhills um so hopefully we're going to have some races in conditions that we're a little bit more uh excited about i wonder whether this might be the first set 
of races and correct me if I'm wrong, that we're really, really going to notice no crowds and especially the races probably going to notice no crowds. How often do we talk about Marcel, you'll have raced there and, and, and know it better than anybody, what it's like to ski down Adelboden and come over onto the free fall pitch that is the bottom section into the, the chaos of noise that is down there at the bottom of that run. I know that is just unbelievable. That is that is probably the best race for a GS gear. Because even if you have BIP 70, people are still cheering for you. Like Swiss, the Swiss people there are unbelievable to everyone coming down. And, and it just gives you such a good feeling. It's going to be a shame because there are some really good pictures usually taken over the last bump, seeing like all the finish and the crowd in the finish. So Charlie Raposo probably has to edit them in again. Um, but... <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> I couldn't resist, sorry. <laughs> no, but it's going to be missed in Adelboden, that's for sure. Marcel, are you allowed to say nice things about Swiss racing fans? I thought they were like your sworn enemies as an Austrian. Like, honestly, the Austrian fans are great, but the Swiss are at least on the same level when it comes to ski racing because they love it and they, they love to see everyone and they don't, they don't hop off the race just because... The 30th is down in the finish. They wait until everyone's gone. And that's what I, I do really like about skiing in Switzerland. You're going to get called a traitor soon. Probably. <laughs> I'm sure that's the uh, offer to write for the uh, Austrian sports newspaper has probably been rescinded with comments like that. No, <laughs> probably. Probably. I have, to, I have to get a British citizenship after five years being here. So I just they, they're going to take it away from me. <laughs> um yeah it's it's certainly going to be different isn't it i'm kind of it'll be it'll be odd to see it on tv without any fans and, and to hear that to hear that roar i wonder if we're going to start pu- having to pipe in noise like they are at football matches <laughs> <laughs> just some cowbells and klaxons and uh some flares fake flares in the finish area maybe they should do uh, yeah i'm not i'm not sure i mean I'm not a big fan of the, the piped in noise. Um, and it's it's quite interesting watching the athletes when they're in, certainly in the finish area, just it seems a lot more personal now because you can see people like pointing to their coaches and their teammates. And occasionally, I think even today, one of the Austria, I can't remember if it was uh, Feller or Schwartz when they came across and I kind of immediately went over and were like high-fiving someone in their team, which normally you just see everyone waving to the entire crowd and, it's quite interesting seeing that almost personal touch people are having. Uh, I don't think you would have seen quite that emotion from Christofferson the other week if there'd been an entire, uh, you know, gantry of, of fans there. He probably just would have been, you know, doing a massive celebration in front of them. So as, as terrible as it is not having the fans, you do get to see something a little bit different from the athletes about what it really means to them a lot closer. And you can hear that you can hear the athletes a little easier, which sometimes is quite telling. I mean, you could hear Schifrin when she messed up in, in Zagreb, you could hear her sort of exclaiming that, you know, something had gone wrong. I don't think she was using expletives, but um, she was certain you could hear when it wasn't going right. And sometimes that's quite nice as a, you know, as a bit of an anorak fan that we all are, it's kind of quite interesting to hear a different side of things other than just like Zen Hoys and, 
sort of frothing at the mouth in the Stargate, which, I, which I've kind of missed. I don't think I've noticed that this year. He's, has he stopped doing it? I haven't heard it as much, but you know who you do hear a lot of when they race is uh, Alex Tilly. She has got to be one of the most ferocious racers on course. Whenever she's skiing a GS, the amount of times you hear her kind of scream quite a lot of the time swearing and like just like <laughs> grunting and just kind of really geeing herself up fighting for everything on the way down uh and obviously she's not uh racing this weekend if the women's downhill and super g but it's certainly something i enjoy when when it is on in the gs's for the uh for the women did you guys always when you were younger and you were ski racing as well did you did you sing or did you do something else because i was always singing when i was younger i skied down singing <laughs> racing or just holidays no racing i thought it was very relaxing it's like singing to myself concentrating <laughs> far too hard i'm not hitting the deck to think of song lyrics myself <laughs> i mean it's, it's like singing in a shower you know <laughs> well, if, yeah i guess i are kind of born on skis so the it probably is like singing in the shower uh, going down race piece with <laughs> slightly less well attuned to it after it I love it. I love it, Marcel. No, I don't. No, I wasn't. A, I definitely wasn't a singer. Not on your way down thinking, no. no, I mean, I, pro- I had plenty of time to sing. I could have written a sonnet. <laughs> I think with the amount of time it took me to ski down thing, and but um, but no, I wasn't a singer. The the only thing um, holiday making, I, I tried to ski with my eyes shut once and knock myself out. <laughs> Didn't we do that on a training camp once, Ed? You would have to do that in teen one summer. I've got recollections of us having to do like trust exercises and have the other person guide us down. Uh, I think I had, I think I had uh, uh, James Bennett, and I don't think it went well. I think uh, we both kind of skied each other into peace markers. And thought it was yeah, hilarious. I, I learned very, I learned very early on not to trust James Bennett, and it's a, it's a message I still hold dear right now. So, um, yeah, lesson learned very early from that one. Um, ben, I nearly forgot when I was about to get in trouble with the social media manager uh, that I, I nearly forgot to do the getting to know you feature as uh, we've got a little bit of time. Are you ready? Not at all. Let's do it. You, you got clammy hands? Very. Oh, gross. Uh, okay, right. Ready. Let's go. Uh, Favourite place to ski? Maribel, Three Valleys. Oh, are we doing quick fire questions, are we? Okay. Yeah. Next. If you could ski with anyone for a day, who would it be? Oh, uh, I think Benny Reich. What? Cause you, is that because you want to be coached by him or just want to hear his World Cup stories? All, all of the above, basically. He was one of my favourite racers uh, for a long period of time. Uh, and yeah, probably get a lot of technical tips from him while I was out there. <laughs> nice. See if he can uh, let, let you see his globes. <laughs> <laughs> the very dis- <laughs> disturbing uh, comment. Uh, <laughs> too much? Okay. Um, <laughs> too much. Favourite place to pray? Um, there is a place, I don't even know if it still exists anymore, but it's in uh, Dizalp called The Rummery. Um, and I had a couple of uh, incredibly wild evenings there on university ski trips. It was uh, much of which will probably be documented somewhere on Facebook. Yeah, I know. Just, I think that's probably right at the beginning of Facebook because you're quite old. Um, so probably quite, a, it might just... We'll scroll a long way back. <laughs> yeah, scroll a long way back and maybe somebody's uploaded like filmed photographs onto Facebook. Maybe someone scanned them up there. It definitely wasn't that long ago, but yeah. <laughs> uh, who's the best ski racer of all time? 
our Alberto Tomba, we had this debate uh, at a live ski racing podcast at a ski show, uh, and Alberto Tomba always wins. Yeah, we have had a debate, and I, I, I think I give a different answer every time I try and answer this question. So, um, I, I, I'm glad to see you. You're, you, you know, you're a bit more. I stick to my guns. Yeah, yeah stick to your guns there. Um, what is the most memorable moment in ski in ski racing history? I think yeah, when we did this, uh, when Marcel did his one, uh, I think he took my one of Herman Meyer cartwheeling over fences and then coming back and winning the. Uh, uh, Olympics a few days later so uh, I think probably the the next one after that um, would be probably one of Tomba's uh, Olympic doubles um, was just the whole kind of week of his racing was just off the chain. When I'm not skiing you will find me running somewhere anywhere. That's quite polar opposite to Marcel sitting on the sofa isn't it? <laughs> you'll not you will not find me running anywhere <laughs> not even for the bus uh no because i have a car now so i'll just take that one <laughs> uh, too much years of hard training marcel clearly hey well deserved yeah. rest for a couple of years <laughs> actually that's not true my girlfriend's pushing me into doing a workout every day basically because she, she said I, I gained a bit of weight so i need to lose it <laughs> <laughs> you know joe wicks pe classes yeah i was gonna say i got joe wicks is making a killing he's jesus christ <laughs> if you if he hears us maybe he can give a bit of a pie to us maybe just <laughs> <laughs> um okay ben penultimate question um worst moment on skis uh, and there are too many of these um, to go through in detail, but there is there is one that has vague links to the World Cup. Uh, so when at a time when the now oldest man, I think, on the Slalom World Cup tour was just breaking through onto the French team. So a certain Julian Nizeroux, when he was just breaking through, I think he was on the French B squad. Uh, I did a uh, night race in Chamonix. Uh, and he was, uh, I think, injured at the time. So he was commentating and we thought he just presumed he'd commentate on the top, you know, 10 of his mates and then and then go uh, and schmooze sponsors. But it turned out he commentated the entire field of the first <laughs> run. So when I was standing in the start gate at my number 137 or something, uh, my reasonably good French allowed me to translate what he was saying while I was in the Stargate, which was, oh, next we have uh, Benjamin Clark from England, who's got the same name as Benjamin Reich. Uh, let's see if he can ski as good. And then I, I heard, uh, no, after about two gates, um, which was uh, <laughs> uh, quite upsetting, but very, very true. That's quite savage, actually. <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it was. Um, no, so you, it definitely was. No, are you holding a grudge? Are you holding a grudge? That must be. I would be so pissed <laughs> no. off. So, uh, no, because I, I knew it was true and I was hoping that I could get a bit further down before he said it. Um, but no, I did uh, get my own back on him uh, in team a few weeks later and kicked a football at his head when we had some uh, training when he came into the gym when we were yeah, in there. That'll learn him. Marcel, you haven't, you haven't actually heard brutal commentary. Um, if you'd been a, a youngster growing up on the dry ski slopes like Ben and I... Um, <laughs> oh, no. So for those of you that don't... That don't um, know what a dry slope is it's google it firstly and if you can't be bothered to google it it's basically like an upside down toothbrush that's the sort of bristles but it's giant obviously because you can ski on it uh, and they're in diamond shapes and so you you can set a slalom in it you it's got the the, the gates 75 got, gates yeah you could set 75 gates up and down a few times um <laughs> they're about 
at best they're about 15 seconds long and um, but they've got little tongue little wooden tongue on the bottom of the pole that you sort of slide into the diamond so you can set the gates where you want but not very many um and the old commentator ben do you remember him charlie jarrett I know exactly where you're going with this. He was the most <laughs> brutal commentator. There was a guy, and 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 uh, Ben, do you still speak to Aaron at all? Uh, I haven't spoken to him uh, in in quite a while. So Aaron is a, a, an old friend of ours, um, and as is Charlie, the old commentator. And he, it was all in good. It was all in in uh, in good faith, and and. You certainly couldn't do it now because there's many, many too many snowflakes that would get offended. But uh, at the time, it was quite good. It was all done in, in jest and and stuff. I'm not sure if I'm going to say it now because I feel like getting inundated with with abuse reports. But he used to say that stuff uh, when Aaron was skiing down about because he was a little larger than. I mean, by no means was he massive. He was still out doing sport, but he was a little larger child. A uh, bit of extra extra timber on him as a sort of. 12 13 year olds and Charlie would make comments about the burger van shutting uh, and that when Aaron skied quickly <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's just one of many and it wasn't just Aaron he did picked on everybody um the good old days but it was it was it was it was funny and it wasn't abusive and, and by no means did Aaron take offense to it before people write in and, and say how terrible that is it, yeah basically anyone he could think of something relatively abusive to say about you with me and and, and previously mentioned James it was about us being stick men uh, and just basically anything um, you, anything you, he could, could you, think of could you imagine how long I'd last at Eurosport if that was how I commentated on people <laughs> <laughs> I mean definitely don't find out <laughs> straight out of the door anyway we digress um last moment uh, last question is you're on a road trip to the alps and there are three spare seats who's coming uh, marcel and i are already there because we've flown oh what um oh, well, you were definitely going to be one of them um so uh now that now that we've just been talking about aaron i'm going to put aaron in the car you can have your seat um <laughs> So yeah, uh, Aaron Collier and uh, the other two people aren't famous, so you're not going to know who they are, but they might be my good friends from uh, the States, Chris and Hayley, uh, who we've gone on a bunch of uh, ski trips previously to the Alps, uh, and they were who I went to see for my ill-fated trip to Colorado last year, though I did not make it onto a mountain. On <laughs> yeah, <skis. laughs> went, went on holiday, turned around. I, <laughs> I made it onto a mountain, just not on skis, I had to walk up it. Uh, oh, all right. Okay, good. Good. Thank you. Thank you for that. So now um, you know me a bit better. Uh, shall we move on? Shall we move on to some picks for the weekend's racing? Um, Marcel, as you're, I think you're still leading out of us the standings, um, even after some poor performances. You've dropped down to eleventh place uh, with thirty-two points. Uh, I'm in joint twenty-fourth with now twenty-seven points. Ben, after your big points haul, are up to 10 points, hitting double figures, mate. So, yeah, that's quite good. At the top of the table is uh, Dave Riding. So he did, he did do, he's still leading our predictions table. Uh, annoyingly tied with my brother, James, who is a uh, joint leader with um, Natasha Drew, Gareth Harvey and Ian Finley, all tied in uh, third place. You must be getting a lot of abuse from your brother. <laughs> I get I get the odd bit of abuse. Thankfully, I just mute him most of the time. So <laughs> he's got his hands full as he's a new dad for the second time now. So he's plenty busy. 
Congrats, but maybe he should come on the pod once and just give you a couple of tips and hints. <laughs> There's absolutely zero chance that that's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> um, but Ben, as you as you are the lowest in the league out of the three of us, would you like to go first, or do you need a hand? I haven't. I've literally just been making this up whilst we've been talking. So uh, yeah, let's go for it. What uh, what races are we doing first? Let's go for the men, shall we? Let's go for the first GS, the second GS, and then the slalom. <laughs> no, the slalom. Don't pick fella, don't pick fella, don't pick fella. <laughs> um, so for GS1, um, I have Zubcic. For GS2, uh, Kranjic. Are you writing these down? Uh, yeah. Yeah, good. Because I... yeah, got these down and slalom. I don't. I really don't know if I can pick fella or not. Just um, do there's it. Too, there's too many rolls in Adelbaden. Knock him down. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna bail. He's, he's too um, big for his boots anyway. Ben, cut him down. <laughs> he's ready gonna, for a I'm World Cup win. I'm gonna stick with Schwartz. Sorry, oh God. Sorry. <laughs> not a poor Austrian. <laughs> Sorry, Marco. Um, I'm going to go, and, uh, and yeah, Marcel, you're you're going last because you're doing the best. Okay, so don't worry, I'm not going double pantero, so you'll be fine. Um, well, I can pick whoever I want, though. You, or you, not? You don't mind? Well, no. it's up to you. If you you know, if you don't want to play the game, <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, first race. I'm going to say, oh, Odomat. I forgot how long this takes you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm going to go Odomat for the first race. Then go Pantero for the second. Um, uh, and then for the slalom. You pick Fella. No, I don't want to pick Fella. Um, <laughs> I, I think I might, mm, I might stick with Foss Solovag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Marcel, that was quite quick then, relatively, wasn't it? Yeah, the reason I said that was because I was trying to find out who you picked last week when I was listening back through the podcast, and I sat there for like five minutes while you were going through all of the options. I was like, I just shouted, <laughs> pick someone! Oh, whatever, whatever. Marcel, right, okay. I mean, I'll just make it up. Honestly, I'm in it to win it. Like, I want to win this game, so I'm going <laughs> to... I can't pick the pin throw for the second race, can I? No. Okay, I'll just go pin throw first. Odermatt second. Oh, just switching around. Okay. And Noel for the slalom. Okay. I okay. wanted to go for the French triple, but you couldn't let me. You wouldn't let me do it. So. Well, okay. there's other French races, you know. Yeah, they are. So, um, Mufash and Dave was pretty good today, actually. First run at least. Yeah, then I might have cursed him in this. In the yeah, you did have. You did curse him. <laughs> Can you stop doing that on TV, please? Just don't. To say, oh, he's doing really well, and then he's like, "Fuck." <laughs> <laughs> I like to save. I like to save it for people that get annoying. Um, okay, on to on to ladies, shall we? So it's downhill first, which is Saturday, Super G Sunday. Marcel, you can pick the downhill first. You can't go double because I know that you're just going to go double suitor if I let you if I let you pick all of it. So. <laughs> I don't go double suitor, but I go suitor in the downhill. Okay, all right. So you're going to go Suter in the downhill. Ben? That's annoying. That was who I had. Um, I'm going to switch it up then and go to Breezy Johnson. And then I'm going to, I'm going to go Godgier then. I think that's, yeah, for, for downhill, 
I think those are probably the inform well they are the inform races so that's no surprises there uh super g um i'm gonna go first for super g just give me a few minutes <laughs> so we go through all the races <laughs> um uh <laughs> it's not even a joke i can't decide <laughs> Is that, i'm going next but i have no picks uh, i'm gonna go um brunoni oh uh, no Ledesca. ben uh, I had actually both taken who I had, uh, so I'm going to go Suter. Marcel? Brignone. And then Night Slalom in Flacco, which the Austrians are already skiing on, by the way. Did you see the Instagram? Good on them, giving a bit of a, a heads up. But having said that, the Croatians have been skiing on that hill, and you can see it having all, on, on Zagreb. You can see that they've been skiing there the whole time. There's no there's no way that you get all four of your Austrian guys, your, your uh, Croatian guys into a second run when they've got bibs in the fifties. If you if you don't know that place inside out, so they all do it. Um, it's just that we can't do it. That's why I get annoyed. Ben. Well, I go first then. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go first, and I'm going to uh, steal uh, the Leinsberger pick. See what no, happens. No, that's annoying. That's we just said how good they are from training on the hill. So I was just like, okay, cool. Okay. She now doesn't win this. Is you, this is you misdirection to the. Oh match. God, you've cursed her. You had all podiums this season. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh God. Uh, I'm going to go Vlahova. I'm going Schifrin. I think it's her time to shine. That's what you said last time. Hey, she was almost there. Which Marcel? Would you have? Would you have? Who would you have gone with if if we if you'd gone first? Was that who you'd have gone with? No, I would have gone with Linsberger this time. I think I think she will win the race. Yeah, I'm I would have gone Linsberger as well. Well, I maybe should have picked her because I don't curse people. I might do. I don't know. But. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I didn't uh, curse Blahova this time, which makes a change. So I picked her for the start, and she actually got that. Although I nearly did on those yeah. last few gates. I was like, please, 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 hold on. <laughs> no, I think it'll be good though. Hopefully, Charlie will be back out racing yes. in that women's slalom. Obviously, she had a really bad timing with her. Um, I think a, a close contact um, for, for COVID. So she couldn't go out for the last set of races, which is a, a shame. Um, so hoping to see her back out there and, and yeah, putting down some, some sweet time. I think it's just, yeah, that is an interesting point. I think most people didn't go home and that's not a, you know, Char Charlie Guest can do whatever she likes. Um, most people stayed out because of that very worry so I think it's a it's a, a shame from Charlie's perspective because she's missed a couple of races now. But hopefully, I mean, I know she's back out and she's out in Austria now. So hopefully that can then happen for her this time. Um, Marcel, final word for our social diva? For Charlie. Raposo this time. I mean, he has posted a good video of him. I, I mean, we debated it on the chat, but um, I think it's going to be tricky. And I'm not gonna lie, but I hope he can. I hope he can like step up his game and, and do at least 75 percent of those turns he can do in training. Um, then he has a shot definitely. And Adelboden, I mean, I think he's he's skied decent a couple of times. So let's hope he can he can bring it on the race. He has two chances as well, which is good for him. Yeah, I think yeah that could be the difference because although everybody obviously gets two goes, but. Uh... Last year, it was last year, wasn't it, where he was skiing really well, very, very close to making it and then crashed like three or four gates from home. 
Is that right? Yeah, and the, and the year before he crashed in the before the last roller as well. Um, so Charlie, if you listen, make it down to the finish and qualify, <laughs> and then you can come on the podcast. You've been you've been told. Uh, right, boys. Thanks very much. Um, a pleasure to chat to you. Uh, and until next time, goodbye for now. <laughs>